We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society podcast, where our panel of experts have in-depth conversations that tackle the serious issues that face our society. This is our first episode of season three, and the Nova Society is happy to be welcoming Dr. Priscilla Hobbs, a cultural anthropologist to the Nova Society team. She will be joining us in future conversations as we look at all of the issues that the world faces. For today, Dr. Scott Gershwer and myself will be having a discussion about the Houthis, Israel, and what exactly is driving American foreign policy. So let's listen in. It's a, it's a new year, and, and I'm looking forward to the year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff, obviously, going on. What happened in um, Iran today is really bizarre. Did yes. you see that? Yes, I did. Hundreds of people killed when a terror, two terrorist bombs attack the protests of, uh, or whatever it was, commemoration of Soleimani's death. Trump, Trump is a gift that keeps giving, I guess. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And of course, uh, the, the Navy, uh, sinking three hooty small boats. One got away from him. I'm going to say something radical here. Okay. I, th- I think the hooties, the Houthis, I think they need to be like dealt with harshly. Have I mentioned that before to you? I think you have. I mean, I think you've alluded to that. Yes. I mean, it's not so like, you know, nobody wants genocide or anything like that, but this is a tribe. It's basically a family, an extended family of people who, you know, didn't like their own land that they were living in. And so took over the the adjacent land. They did exactly what Putin is doing. And, you know, they're not strong enough to really oppose us. Uh, I, I don't understand why we don't why we don't deal with them more harshly than we have. And, you know, I say that as a person who believes in peace and as a person who believes in, in uh, reconciliation and not and not extreme violence. But there are times when you have to send a message to people that you can't mess with the entire world from your perch on the, uh, the, you know, the edge of the Saudi per- peninsula. And I, I think that message could be sent and it's not being sent right now. And, and that it really needs to be sent. And I, I hate to say it, but, but I, I really do believe that. So why do you think it's not being sent? Well, I, I think I, that most of us want, um, you know, want to live in peace and want, and, and want to, um, do the minimum that we have to do to send these messages or protect, you know, our the fleets of ships that are going past there, and that you want to do the bare minimum rather than, you know, take extreme measures. But in this particular case, I think that extreme measures are called for. Um, and, and, you know, again, the reason for that is that they've been nothing but aggressive. They've been, you know, it's like the warlord thing. They're, you know, they just make war on their own people or their neighbors. And, uh, you know, they're just not strong enough to do that without us taking action against them. 
and I th- and I really do think that we should take action against them. And and it's obvious that uh, Somalia is not strong enough to deal with them. Yeah. Um. So is is this another? Should we? I mean, do you think we should take direct action, or do you think it's something that we should try to help? prop up the Somalian government to deal with their own internal issues. And again, then let's ask the next question is that it's obvious that Iran backs the Houthis. Um, is this simply an effort in the United States not to poke Iran any further? Uh, yeah, you know, again, I think that the leadership of this country is um, wary of extending this these conflicts out and you know, for I think there is good reason for that in most cases, right? Um, we don't want we don't want the Middle East to become a war zone, but um, and and I would not just to answer your first question, I would not enable the Somalis to take action themselves because the Somalians have proven that they're against they're against the world when the world comes into Somalia. And they'll unite to fight against that. But then once they're back in their own, they're fighting amongst one another. And again, you know, tribes are a very, very strong social structure that, that, um, you know, we tend to underestimate because we don't really have them here, you know, for the most part. And we don't really think about um, tribal structures as being a, a social unit of great importance around the world. And uh, uh, I think we should. And I think that we should, um, you know, be wary of the Charlie Wilson's war effect on Somalia or anybody else in the Middle East that we empower um, to to fight, you know, their neighbors. This is something that we need to do ourselves. And we can continue to do it the way the, the the way we are right now with taking specific actions against specific groups as the threat occurs, or we could you know um, lob lob some some thing, uh, missiles in you know hellfire missiles in and just stop them from fighting for a while. Well, I guess and and again, I, I think one of the the main deterrents, and I don't know if it's a deterrent, but one of the reasons that they're that the United States isn't taking more decisive action is this could end up being another area where the United States has a consistent presence all the time to be able to open that up so that they can get to the, um, so that they can get to the uh, Suez Canal. And I, I don't think we have the stomach anymore for this. And it's unfortunate because we're, you know, we are the last world superpower and there's some responsibilities that come with that. And I don't think we're really, we have the stomach uh, to be the world's policeman anymore, even though it is impacting our economy. And I think that's one of the, I think Afghanistan kind of took that out. I think, you know, the the war um, against terror, as they called it, that Bush started. I, I just don't think that we have that kind of, that kind of um resolve in the United States to take on those kinds of of long-term even peacekeeping um if you notice in in the past oh i don't know 25 years we're very big going all the way back almost probably 30 years going all the way back post reagan everybody it was coalitions 
um, you know, Desert Desert Shield and Desert Storm coalitions. We have turned into we don't want to do anything ourselves. We want to go with our coalition partners, and we have to we have to make that coalition and bring them in. And the the problem with it is we still end up being the ones still sitting there. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't change anything, but we, we just don't seem to want to go it alone anymore. And and I really do think that that's that the American electorate. I think that's one of the issues that they have because they see these long protracted Afghanistan was the longest war we've ever been in period. And I think that the, the, that the American people got tired of it. And I, I kind of, and it's going to your idea. We should just lob in some missiles. We, we sh- if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Go in and just basically level and say, that's it done. Uh, but we are we are simply not prepared to do those kind of things. We have all this weaponry that we spend gazillions of dollars on that we have no intentions of ever using. They're deterrent. And to me, maybe it's time that Afghanistan could have been a lot shorter than it was if we had used the military might we actually have and have paid for and um, and tried to do something with it. So... I mean, that's just my thought. Either we're going to be all in or we're not. And I just don't think that, that we are, that, uh, as a, as a society, as an American society, we're ready to be for these long protracted things anymore. I, I think this is going to sound a little bit more weaselly than that, but, uh, I, I, would, say, <laughs> I would say, uh, limited, but decisive would be the, yeah. uh, would be the, the way I would frame it. Uh, we don't want to get into a long thing like Afghanistan, which was ridiculous. Right. Yeah, um, Although, you know, to to be fair, um, the last time uh, Biden had a 50 percent approval rating was the day before we withdrew from Afghanistan. Um, So pulling out of these situations is never easy, always painful. The key there, of course, was to treat uh, the aftermath of 9-11 as more of a police action than a than an utter war against the Taliban that, you know, we weren't going to win and, and obviously didn't win. Um, and, and, and it's such a great cost to us and our allies there. Um, but, uh, I don't, I don't recommend that we stay in, uh, in the middle East, you know, the way that we, uh, stayed in Afghanistan, but I do think and and I think that uh, that signal was sent, by the way, because there were two carrier groups there, and now there's only one. They moved one off. Um, so so we've we you know we've pulled back to, and I think that it was a message to say, look, we're not, you know, we're not a warlike people here. In as funny as that might sound to most people around the world, um, we don't want to fight, but we will if we have to, and we're going to keep. Uh, one carrier group there instead of two, but we could always put the other one back if we need to. And, you know, just don't, don't uh, make us do that. I think was a carrot and a stick type of action on the part of the Biden administration. But, uh, but that, that's one thing uh, that was on my mind. You know, the, it, it was nice to see that the Israelis were pulling some units back 
out of Gaza. Um, I hope that they continue to do that and to fight this differently than they've been fighting it, um, but still in a way that's effective, hopefully without um, without so many soldier and civilian deaths uh, and simply eliminating the terrorists. But uh, obviously that's very difficult to do. But the way to do it is to pull back and to have the hostages released and to, um, y- you know, to find the tunnels and find the infrastructure and destroy it when you have to, right? Um, but, but, but to uh, signal to the people of Gaza that we're not interested in bombing civilians, but somebody's got to root out these terrorists from their midst. And if they won't do it themselves, we're going to have to do it. The Israelis are going to have to do it. But, um, but this is not sustainable. It's not sustainable um, at this point because none of the methods that they've used are as effective as what they did yesterday by taking out a leader and six other, you know, of his lieutenants uh, with a couple of surgical strikes. And you've got to be able to identify them, isolate them and kill them without, you know, destroying all the buildings in the neighborhood. And, and I think that that was the, that is the paradigm for the way forward for the Israelis. And I hope they continue to do that. Um, you know, I'm still absolutely, um, behind the idea that there should not be a a Hamas terrorist left at the end of this, that they've got to go after all of them. Um, Just as we went after all of the ISIS fighters, you know, and um, there's no, you know, and Al Qaeda, there's no, there's no good Hamas. Um, And anybody who, who wants to try to suggest for a second that this was about, you know, a resistance to Israeli occupation bull, you know, you gotta, they have to stop doing that because that's not what this was. And, um, they need to be eliminated, but they need to be eliminated carefully. Right. Right. And I, you know, it brings up the idea and it it always confused me because you and I both study conflict proportional, proportional response. And I've always seen historically that Proportional responses are proportional, but they're rarely a response that gets you the end goals that you want to, that you are actually seeking to get. Um, I agree. I think that Israel pulling back and using technology and using these surgical strikes is a way to, to, to advance their cause. Um, getting those hostages back still a huge, I mean, that, that's just an absolute huge, um, goal. Uh, for for the entire world, but at the same time, they have to. You have to commit to a strategy and stick to it. I think that the strategy that they that they were enacting for the last well about month, I think I don't think it got the results that they wanted to that they wanted, because the world is sitting around going, wait a minute, this has got to be proportional. You've got civilians, you've got this, you've got that that you that, you, that are like the untouchable. You cannot. You've got to be, you've got to be more surgical about things. And I always said, uh, whenever you use the military, especially the army or the navy, they're not sur- they're they're not scalpels. They are, they're sledgehammers. 
That's, that's what they are. They're not designed to be scalpels. Um, so I agree with you that there is no such thing as good Hamas. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to get all of the terrorists because right now you have no idea how many there are. Um, they, I mean, they can blend in with the civilianry so easily right now. And then I think that was one of the issues that the Egyptians had. Okay, we'll, we'll open up the, 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 the gates and let people into the Sinai, but we can't tell who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Everybody, you know, nobody's got a little sign on their head that says, Ooh, I'm one of the bad guys. So I, I think that that's a, a difficult, I think that's a difficult ask, um, but again, taking out the leadership, taking out the infrastructure. I think the infrastructure is very, very important to take out because whenever you take out command and control and infrastructure, that weakens an organization. But at the same time, I agree that the, some of this should be put upon the Palestinian people in Gaza. You know what, guys? you got to clean your own house, too. You can't just say, oh, well, we're, we're innocent civilians. You put them in place. You did not stop them. And I understand they're the one, the bad guys are the ones with the guns. I get that part, but you outnumber them. Supposedly you supposedly you outnumber them and there is strength in numbers and you have the capacity. You could have come to the rest of the world for help and you did not. And what happened on October 7th happened. And as a, as a area, as a group of people, you're paying the price for that. If that is not enough of an incentive, to rethink and to take back control, I want to see a two-state solution. I want to see a Palestinian uh, area that can live in peace with its neighbors and that, that the people of Palestine can flourish. But if you haven't figured it out yet, Hamas is not the direction you can go. You can't do that. Um, so, yeah, it, do, it does come back to the same thing to the people. You get the government you deserve. And this is one of those cases, but, um, we'll see, we'll, we'll see how this goes as far as if, if Israel sticks with it, with what they're doing now, I think it is a good idea that they do. I don't think it's exactly the, the direction the war hawks over there in that coalition really want to see, uh, across the board, but I mean, hopefully it will be, it'll be a little bit more, um, It'll be a lot more successful than what they've been doing in the past. And and to the idea of the carrier group, my attitude was is one carrier group from the United States is more than enough <laughs> to to take care of anything over there. Two was overkill. And I think it as as you say, it was meant to send a message. We can do overkill. Yeah. If you if you want. We you know, <laughs> we got carriers, we got more carriers than the rest of the world combined. We can send carrier groups at you know, just at our discretion. Uh, but I think one carrier group in the middle, in the, in, uh, in the Mediterranean, I think that's more than enough to deal with any issues that they've got right now, as far as, uh, Israel, but again, what are they being really used for? They're just kind of there. Well, uh, and you know, they're, I mean, they're destroyers are, um, you, you know, taking care of the you know, the, the, the Houthi Navy, as it were, uh, as best they can. And, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna continue to do what they need to do to keep the shipping lanes open 
and they're going to do what they need to do to stop them from shooting um, drone, you know, using drone attacks and, and so on against Israel. Uh, and, and they should, you know, we should do that. But, um, I, I think that it's, I, I think that, uh, at, at this point we need to start working towards peace. And I was troubled, uh, when the war cabinet was supposed to get together to discuss next steps after the war. Um, and instead they've, you know, they're having to force themselves to skip that conversation now because they may be at war with Lebanon. They may be at war with more proxies from Iran and they have to plan for those things. It's not a, it's not a a good situation to be fighting a seven front war for a country as small as Israel. No, that was an interesting development when when the spokesman came out and said, "This might this might expand into Lebanon." And I, it, the, my first thought was, uh, even as as c- capable as the the Israeli military is, I mean, fighting a two, three, four front war is uh, that's tough for anybody. Yeah. I mean that that's tougher that's tougher anyone, and hist- again historically two front wars generally if you fight them you don't win, I mean it, with Israel they could be fighting on all fronts of of their their homeland, and that will that will test and that will probably require somebody like the United States uh, to get inv- to get more involved, which in turn would cause. On, you know, other countries that support Iran and those countries to get more involved. This is this is something that when it first happened, somebody mentioned it on the news that this could turn into a world, a world war type of situation. And it's true. It could. Um, if all of the, the players re- just react um, and if more players get involved more than they already are. Yeah, I could see this escalating into into something far bigger. Well, Which hopefully, we, hopefully, hopefully, I'm not I'm not one of those people who walks around going cooler heads will prevail, but but, uh, <laughs> but right now it hasn't yet, and you still have the opportunity to pull back to the point where it doesn't, and you know rather than rush blindly into uh, situations that you can't get yourself out of because we we all know that it's easier to start wars than it is to finish them that, uh, that, you know, you've made your point. Um, you're going to continue to kill your enemies, but you need to, you need to start backing up and start thinking about what the next thing is for this region, which needs to include Saudi Arabia and Israel getting back to the table. Uh, maybe that's naive, but, uh, it's, it's uh, it's really the only way forward. Yeah, it it does require some more long term thinking, and unfortunately, politicians have a have a bad tendency to only think short term, um, and that that's an issue they're going to have to overcome, especially especially in the Middle East, because as it's always been an area of conflict, and. With the United States now being unwilling to be, seemingly being unwilling 
to be the world's policeman in anything long and protracted. Um, this this could change the way these kind of these kind of conflicts um, evolve, because we know that we don't want to get in a, in a protracted long long term thing. So do, so does Iran. So does Russia. So does China. So does all of them. They all know um, that this is that this is a uh, this is something that we don't want to do. And if we're reluctant to do it, that gives it a little bit more impetus to be able to to do these things. And we'll continue this conversation in our next episode. So that's all the time we have for today's episode. The Nova Society is a production of the Phoenix Research Institute. We'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode. BH Conflict Resolution Services, a full-service dispute resolution firm offering expert and cost-effective mediation services to couples, groups, and businesses. BHCRS can be reached at www.bhcrs.com. We'd also like to thank our podcast partners, Buzzsprout, who hosts the Nova Society, Audacity, our editing partners, and Podkite, who does all of our analytics. iHeartRadio, where people get their music and podcasts, Apple iTunes, the largest source for music and podcasts on the internet, Spotify, the most popular source for the Nova Society. The Nova Society is available on all of these and other quality platforms. We'd like to thank all of our listeners. Without you, the Nova Society would not be possible. If you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest on the Nova Society, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. Always remember, the power of society is knowledge. So for Dr. Scott Gershwer, Dr. Priscilla Hobbs, Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon, and all of us here at the Nova Society, I'm Dr. Mark Bound. Be well, and we hope to see you again next time.